Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. Sex without marriage may not be that big of a deal, but marriage without sex? That can be a different animal altogether. No, marriage is not just about sex, but regular physical intimacy is one of the benefits of having a life partner. It isn't only about physical pleasure, but about the deeper connection you can have with someone you know and who knows you really well. Now, if the two of you are satisfied with the amount of physical affection and intimacy in your relationship, great! But if you're one of the many couples who struggle with this, then you are in the right place. So Alicia Jenny, licensed marriage family therapist and owner of Modern Love Counseling, is here to impart valuable information on how to understand what's happening in your marriage and how to move through it. So Alicia, thank you for coming on the show and talking about this really important topic when we're talking about marriage and long-term relationships. Yeah, thanks for having me. You wrote a post titled, and I love this, Sexless Relationships and the Layered Cake Metaphor as a means of answering the question, why aren't we having sex? So tell me Mm -hmm. a little bit about this metaphor and what the first layer of the layer cake might be. Sure, sure. Yeah, so... I have to give credit to this amazing therapist that I just recently hired in my practice. Um, And her name is Kate Breslin. And she and I were consulting over this because it's incredibly common for us therapists to, Mm -hmm. you know, work with this type of, you know, quote unquote issue or complaint. Um, And, you know, she said, you know, this is a way that I kind of like to communicate it with clients because metaphors are obviously really helpful for us to look at from a, you know, objective perspective. And so, um, you know, she kind of was was helping me understand that, you know, romantic relationship is often like a layered cake, right? Mm -hmm. And each layered cake builds off of each other. um, And like without, you know, without one of the layers of the, the cake feels kind of incomplete, kind of like a relationship. So, um, you know, the foundation is, is friendship, you know, and, and a lot of times, um, you know, this could be just like we have mutual commonalities, we have fun, we, we have kindness, we have respect, um, you know, some fondness and appreciation of each other, um, you know, and the second layer is like emotional connectivity. So that's, you know, a little bit more intimate than friendship, right? So maybe that entails more um, emotional vulnerability, reliability, compassion, um, validation, you know, things like that. And then the third layer is like non-sexual physical touch. Mm -hmm. And so this one I think is really paramount because a lot of times I hear in my, you know, my couple's work that you know, traditionally speaking and generally speaking, the women will say, you know, I never really quote unquote want sex um, Uh or I never really initiate uh, physical intimacy or when my partner even, you know, initiates like a hug or a kiss, like a kind of like shut it down. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes that's because I think women are intimidated um, and feel pressure that like the second their partner comes in for a hug or a kiss, that they immediately assume that it's about sex. And, you know, sometimes when there is 
um, a lack of sex in a relationship, sometimes it is, there is some urgency and there is some excitement, um, you know, on the male counterparts, um, you know, position. So I think that this one's really interesting and really helpful because when you're focusing on, you know, elevating the, the comfortability of physical intimacy, like love taps and, you know, like flirtation and kisses and hugs and cuddling and that not lead to sex, then that almost leads and breeds, I think, some comfortability with just, mm-hmm. I can have physical affection without the pressure of having to have sex, right? Mm-hmm. So, and then the other piece is, um, you know, the top layer, which is sex, sexual intimacy. And that can include, you know, foreplay, erotic play, any types of sex play. Um, and so, you know, when I think couples nurture the layer that comes easiest to them, right? And uh-huh. Those are the same couples that I think focus too heavily on the lack of sex that they're having. Um, and, you know, I think that if you, you know, if you can't, obviously the foundation, right, if you can't have a respectful and engaging friendship that allows you to feel more emotionally safe and have non-sexual connection, it can be really challenging for you to be motivated or for you to um, have, like, as good of sex as you're hoping to have. So that's sort of the, the, the layer cake metaphor. Well, I mean, and it's so interesting that you talk about friendship because, you know, when, when we think about falling in love, when we, when we think about, you know, being attracted to somebody, and, and I know you know this because you're a licensed marriage and family therapist as well, but, you know, we know that that, that that period of a relationship is driven a lot by hormones and biology and you know we can be physically and sexually attracted to somebody who's actually not a really good match for us but when we're caught up you know but when somebody's caught up in the throes of that in love you know haze that they they might not necessarily you know be looking at the more important factors so so how what would help people you know, if they maybe they don't maybe they don't start out as friends, um, but maybe you know maybe they start out with just this with this hot and heavy you know physical attraction. You know how do they become friends? Because because you're right that we we have to feel we can't be in bed all the time. I mean that might be, that mm-hmm. might be great, but you know most of the time somebody has to go to work and we need to eat and all those fun things. Sure. You know we can't spend our life there, and so. You know, how, how do people develop a friendship? Yeah, well, I think that's a good question. And, you know, it's, it's like how do you develop a friendship or how do you sustain it or how do you deepen it? You know, and I think those are like all of the, the journeys of a long-term committed relationship, and it just comes at different times and different points. But, you know, I think that um, when we're talking about, you know, this layered cake metaphor, I think it's about just, you know, understanding like what what layer are we focusing a lot of our attention to um, or which layer comes most comfortable to us and how do we go outside of our comfort zone so if friendship is the foundation but it's something that the relationship's lacking because they either never had it or they're just you know maybe they fell off track a little bit um, I think it's about like you know finding that commonality you know Mm -hmm. like what are what are some of the things that you guys value or what are some of the things that, you know, you both can bond and relate to, whether that's a past experience or that's like a, an activity or a hobby. 
um, whether that's like something, you know, advocacy or something that you guys are both just really passionate about. Um, but I think just like finding that and, and just prioritizing the exploration of finding that is important. Well, and I also like that that second layer that you have, you talk about the emotional connectedness, that it builds on that friendship and it goes deeper. Um, and I mm -hmm. think that's what we're all looking for, but it's but that's the scary part. I mean, because you, you mentioned you know, you mentioned the V word vulnerability, which mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people think of when, when they hear that word they think weakness and my personal mm -hmm. viewpoint, it, you know, and luckily it aligns with what Brene Brown talks about, that to be vulnerable, you actually have to be very strong. You have to be, you have totally. to feel, and, and, but you also need that container of safety and security that it sounds like the foundation of friendship really allows that, that deeper connection to happen. Am I remotely correct in saying that? Yeah, I think so. I think so because, you know, I think that, um, you know, I often, you know, tell my clients that, um, you know, if, if they're in a long-term committed relationship and they're struggling with their sexual relationship, right, mm -hmm. oftentimes we assume that if we have the friendship and we have the emotional connectivity and we cuddle a lot, that, like, the sex is just given and, like, we should just you know, have a great sex life, but it's like, there's so many layers to vulnerability in a relationship, right? There's like that, that emotional reliability and exposure, you know, there's the financial, there's the, obviously the sexual, there's the physical, like if I get sick or something happens, you know, there's, if you choose to have children together, there's a whole other component of that. So it's like, it takes, I think, time and it takes patience and it takes, uh, a lot of experiences to fully trust your partner in all of those areas because you're building trust in yourself too, you know? So I think the emotional connectivity absolutely does evolve as, you know, you're building off of the friendship because the compatibility and the commonality can only get you so far, right? That's why we have friends because they mm -hmm. stay in that zone. Mm -hmm. But if I then um, you know, emotionally, like opening up my weaknesses, you know, or uh, my perceived weaknesses or my, you know, my feelings or my fears or my secrets, right? Like that's a big deal. <laughs> yes. And that's the scary yeah. part. Um, but, yeah. it's, but it's interesting because you talk about it. And I mean, the, the thing about being married or being in a long-term relationship unless you're Catherine Hepburn, who would say, you know, she wanted her <laughs> men friends to live close and visit often. But most of us actually live with our partners 24, right. you know, I want to say 24 seven because we're not, to, well, other than COVID, we're not usually together mm -hmm. for 24 hours a day. But, but we, are, I mean, they see us, you know, right. in, at our most vulnerable, vulnerable moments. I mean, whether we're, you know, when we're sleeping, we're completely vulnerable mm -hmm. when, you know, like you said before, when we're sick, um, you know, and, and th this whole idea of, you know, we can, we can get on each other's last nerves too, because it's like, okay, mm -hmm. just leave me alone, right? But, but it, what we can, what we can hide and be more in control of with our friends, because we're not, you know, they're not with us all the time. They're not going to just, you know, walk into a room 
in our house and we don't know they're there, right? I mean, this is it, it, mm-hmm. it is a very different level, um, you know, which which I think is one of the things that makes it great, but also one of the mm-hmm. things that can be a little bit scary, maybe, kind of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of, most of the couples I work with are my peers, you know, or they're millennials, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like between the ages of like 28 to like 35 or whatever. And, you know, a lot of them, um, I think because either they've dated or they've maybe been divorced or, you know, it's like they don't know how to um, sometimes expose some of those vulnerabilities, right? Because they've maybe been kept private for so long um, or they've learned to just deal with it themselves or, you know, so it's interesting because I think a lot of couples struggle with bridging the gap of eroticism and intimacy, you know, and when that honeymoon phase is over, or when we're not desiring each other the same way that we were, mm-hmm. we don't know how to be vulnerable in the bedroom. You know, we don't know how to maybe talk about like the misunderstandings or our desires or our, you know, our anxieties or whatever. And so then, then you know, we fixate on the fact we're not having sex but right. not fixating on the vulnerability, right? So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. that's what that's what I talk about because having sex is sort of a we did or we didn't. There's usually not some misunderstanding about well, did we actually have sex? I I tell people right, you know, it it can right. be quantified, right? And mm-hmm. sometimes people get stuck on the number um, yep. instead of what else is happening. And I that's why I think I you know the, I think this metaphor really speaks to the complexity of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is Happily Absolutely. Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking with fellow relationship therapist Alicia, Alicia Jenny about understanding what's behind the lack of sex in your relationship and how to change it. Now, sexless marriages can be very painful, and if you have found yourself in one, you may be feeling hurt, rejection, and loneliness. You may also be feeling somewhat hopeless, but there is a way out, and if you would like help finding it, I invite you to get in touch with me today. You can reach me by email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N is in Nancy, C is in Charlie.com, or you can reach me by phone at area code 919 9240463 again that's 9199240463 and now I want to get back to this conversation about how to you know be connected with your partner um, and so I want to go back cuz you said um, in the beginning and you were going through the layers you talked about the third layer about non-sexual physical intimacy and you talked about mm-hmm. it a little bit but and you were using this example, and I have heard this so many times from many of my clients that, um, and it's, it's a lot of times from the women, and mm-hmm. that they, they feel like the only time their partner touches them yeah. is when they want sex. Mm-hmm. And so the minute, you know, so, so it is almost like this immediate shutdown because, oh, I know where this is going. I don't want to go there, slam the door. Um, right. And so what this says to me is that there's not a lot of 
physical touch, physical interaction that isn't, you know, and, and again, you know, mm-hmm. I, you know, as I've talked with my husband, it's like, you know, he's always hopeful, right? <laughs> but, but, yeah. you know, but sometimes, you know, that I think, I think that message <laughs> gets sent whether it's intended to or not. And I, and I think that can be a real roadblock. Am, am I wrong about that? Or is that a pretty accurate description? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think that, um, as I mentioned, just the intimidation and pressure are such, such a buzzkill when it comes to sex, right? And I think, mm-hmm. um, I don't, I mean, and, and the thing too is that women and men, right, are obviously very different. And even when you're in a same-sex relationship, you're different. But, mm-hmm. you know, from a generalized, like, you know, biological standpoint, like, men's sexual responses are very linear, you know, and oftentimes they desire sex and it builds to arousal and then it, you know, hits an orgasm and then it plateaus. Mm-hmm. And women are like, why don't I ever desire sex? Well, it's uh-huh. because their bodies don't alert them of that. They're not like, oh, I'm hungry, you know. It's like <laughs> they're waiting for that feeling. And so, of course, when their partner comes up to them and, you know, touches them, they're like, oh, this is exactly what this means. And so I'm going to go to shutdown mode because my body is not alerting me that this is something I want, you know, and I think women, again, generally speaking, are from a biological standpoint, kind of cyclical, and it starts with willingness, you know, the biggest sex organ in a, in a body is the brain, and women often have so many things going on in their day-to-day minds, multitasking, that mm-hmm. they're never asking themselves, like, oh, could I be into it, you know, it's like, no, I don't have time for that, so I think that the part is willingness, and then, you know, after that, it's flipped. It's like women have to be aroused before they desire sex. Mm-hmm. And that may or may not lead into an orgasm. And so I think that when there's, you know, oftentimes when women are intimidated by physical touch or, you know, that, that initiation, it's often because they have too much on their plate. Um, there might be a disconnect in one of these layers. Mm-hmm. And or they're super type A and they have way too much going on that they don't give themselves the room to become aroused to want sex with their partner. So that's where you think like the non-sexual intimacy is such a big factor because if couples can say, let's take sex off the table for a while, let's take sex off the table for three weeks or a month mm-hmm. or whatever, and just focus on physically cuddling and and making out and massaging and showering together and knowing that that pressure, that expectations off the table, then you might find like women actually are like, oh, this feels safer. And I have the free choice now to initiate or the free choice to be willing to engage with a touch that doesn't feel forceful or scary. And, you know, and, and this is such a complication because, um, because we are wired so very differently and mm-hmm. you know and it's like I always call it the cosmic joke who who thought that men and women living together for a long period of time was a good idea some somebody's up there mm-hmm. laughing uh, you know, I was I always talk about you know it's like my life being the Truman show it's like okay let's go to Dory's household and watch what's going on and you know it's like okay um, because you know it seems so very straightforward, and I and and in the beginning it frequently is. So when things go a little haywire, then I think a lot of people jump to conclusions. Oh, I'm with the wrong partner, or you know, there's something wrong with me. And and I really think that there's a lack of information about 
just how our bodies work. I mean, the the mm-hmm. idea, and I know you know about this, it, you know, the idea that many women, and I don't know what the percentage is, but it's probably at least 50% of women who have responsive desire, which is exactly what you were talking about mm-hmm. before. They need to be, we need to be physically aroused before we actually feel desire. And this comes into play when, you know, why does my wife never initiate? It's like, because... She doesn't, you know, the, mm-hmm. the desire hasn't broken through. And I, and I do think that's why, you know, vacation sex is usually so great because you're out of the ordinary, you're doing something new, you don't have all your routine kind of stuff. And, and then, you know, and, and you're spending hopefully good quality time together. And so I think that in that case, the the desire is is much easier to to tap into. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, there's more willingness to be open to that desire, right? Or sometimes vacation sex can be more pressuring, right? Like that's, well, that's, that's what's tricky too. Yeah, but no, I, I, I think that's absolutely fair. Right. It's that it's, it's, you know, it's easy to personalize that my wife doesn't find me attractive or my wife doesn't want sex. What's wrong with her? What's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. You know, but it's just a mis- it's a I think a misunderstanding of like you're saying the the human body and also just again this perspective of the layered cake like are you guys focusing on you know the foundation are you focusing on the emotional connectivity you know how how much trust do, do you have in your partner how much trust do they have in you um you know i think sometimes again like Generally speaking, men can be more sexually vulnerable than women initially, mm-hmm. and maybe that's where they find comfort, whereas women, like, you know, engagement of emotional connectivity and attunement helps them feel more sexual vulnerably in the bedroom. So it's like that chicken or the egg, you know, kind of scenario, and neither one's right or wrong, but how do we both try to meet in the middle by going outside of our comfort zones and being more emotionally vulnerable and then also being more, you know, sexually vulnerable and helping each other, you know, bridge these gaps. Mm-hmm. Well, and something else we haven't talked about, but it's just, it's just also the fluctuation of hormones, um, mm-hmm. you know, a woman's cycle. <laughs> and, you know, at one part in her cycle, she may be very interested and at other parts she may not be. And, and you know, so, so the, all these kinds of things need to be taken into account. And we don't talk about it, which is why I'm so glad mm-hmm. you're here today. Um, so, yeah. so how does this, you know, we've, we've been talking about this and, you know, so the icing on the cake is actually the sexual intimacy. And, mm-hmm. um, and you know, and you were talking earlier when you were talking something, um, Esther Perel's mating in captivity popped into my head about, you know, this. Mm-hmm maintaining the the erotic desire while you're going through the regular day-to-day stuff with your partner it's like again okay who set up this system um mm-hmm. you know how how do how do couples keep that keep that going how, how do we negotiate through this if if you know the icing on the cake isn't happening i think that it's about being appreciate, like appreciative of the journey of a relationship and like I, I think just understanding what your expectations are because mm. I think a lot of times we expect you know, and a lot of times we demand and a lot of times we project and like we, we don't realize that 
lulls are actually incredibly healing and they're actually like incredibly helpful in our journeys and anything, right? Our mm-hmm. lulls in academia and, you know, like physical health, emotional health, sexual, like they're teaching us something. And sometimes a lull can be an opportunity to, you know, learn and to, Mm -hmm. you know, broaden certain aspects of your relationship. So I think it's about maybe reframing, like how, not just asking the question, how do we desire a partner for the rest of our lives? It's like, well, how do you deal with the times that you don't, right? Like that's, to me, I think a, a more important question of like, not just how do we revive it, but how do we also sustain the moments when we're not attracted to each other? How do we sustain those connections when, you know, we're like arguing or we're disconnected or we just have a baby and we can't have sex or there's something going on in our lives where, you know, we have, we have a moment where we have to push that on pause. Uh-huh. And the other, the other thing is, I mean, like it's about prioritization, like, and, and owning that, you know, it's our birthright to have pleasure. And it's, it's exciting to, to evolve that part of yourself. And so, you know, maybe also reframing that as less of a duty and a responsibility to provide your partner, you know, but rather this is an explorative journey that we're embarking on together. And, like, that's, uh-huh. you know, a really cool piece. And I think that comes with sex education, that comes with understanding your own body, your own limitations, your own, you know, like maybe limiting beliefs around sex or your body and Mm -hmm. constantly, you know, trying to evolve. Um, You can enjoy sex because when you enjoy it, it's a lot easier to prioritize it. Right. And and there's so many things that can, that can get in the way of that. Um, And one Mm -hmm. of them, which is somewhat off topic, but not really, is this, what I call the the badge of honor of busyness. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, developing this aspect of your relationship takes time. And it takes being intentional, right? I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can, you can do the, you know, yeah, it's Tuesday night, you know what that means, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. But, mm-hmm. but, you know, it, that can get old. Any anything can get old and unattractive, right? And being able to talk about it, which of course is so challenging, because mm-hmm. you know, um, this is, I'm, I'm not sure how much you, we, we can get more personal than than when we are literally and figuratively naked in front of our partners, um, and you know what we enjoy what we don't like, how do we talk about this, um, even going into our own stories about, mm-hmm. you know, our beliefs about it, what we've, what we've learned about it. I mean, you were talking about, you know, pressure and, and, you know, thinking back to the days where, I mean, it still happens with some couples where, you know, the, the wedding night takes on this, you know, huge <laughs> Thing. And it's like people are exhausted and, you know. And, you I didn't know, have sex they, on my wedding night. <laughs> you know. I, mean, I it, didn't. It, no way. I mean, you know, it's, it, you know, it's built up to be this big, huge thing. And it's like, okay, yeah, let's, you know, let's set unrealistic expectations for people. Um, so yeah. what is your best suggestion? Because going back to um, what, what I was taught for a long time, and it's not exactly accurate, was that if things outside of the bedroom were good, it would solve the problems mm-hmm. in the bedroom. 
and that's I mean and we're talking a little bit about this about the about the layer cake but what what couples do or what suggestion do you have for couples who who feel they actually have the foundational layers but they're still struggling there isn't a one-size-fits-all answer to this equation and I think if couples you know it might be like that they just haven't prioritized that part of their relationship and just don't know how or you know it could also indicate that they might not have that sexual compatibility and that you know is something that they would have to explore and answer for themselves so do you think it's possible to increase sexual compatibility I do okay I absolutely do I think that um a little bit trickier I think if you've never if, you, if you've started your relationship with not having physical or sexual attraction and uh-huh. I think uh-huh. you can you know you can build off of that but um, I think it just depends you know there's some people that there's a term called demisexual for example that you know need they, they need the desire to have an emotional connection and a depth with someone before they physically are attracted mm-hmm. to someone right and so it's like might find that that's the case and like there might just be some areas of growth that need to be had around emotional intimacy Um, but again I think if if we look at sex and sexuality as vulnerability then yeah there's ways to enhance emotional intimacy and vulnerability as well as sexual well that's that's good to know Um, and so I would love to continue talking about this topic but my producers going okay wrap it up so, yeah. so can you tell people where they can learn more about you, about this topic? Sure, yeah. So I do have a practice located in Denver called Modern Love Counseling. Um, but I also have a, um, a business that I created uh, with my husband, actually, that is, you know, tailored towards helping, you know, couples bridge this gap. Um, you know, we have curated date boxes that help with emotional intimacy, physical intimacy, sexual, imi- you know, intimacy, um, as well as like adult products that help spice up, you know, things in the bedroom if you're curious, but you don't know how. Um, uh-huh. There's communication prompts and things like that. And that, that you can find on modernlovebox.com. Um, so Modern Love Counseling and modernlovebox.com. The mechanics of sex are fairly straightforward, but the path to regular good sex is not necessarily. So as we've been talking about today, knowing all the right ingredients and putting them in the right order is essential to create the deep intimate connection that you want. And so hopefully you have gotten something really useful out of today's show. And until next week, stay loving.